Welcome to the Future Learning Design Podcast. There are a lot of actually questions which you can solve on the spot on the local government level and more autonomy and resources you give to those actors which are actually deciding and basically closest to the students when when better and that's yeah. I think should be learned everywhere. Hi everybody, thanks for joining me again for another episode of the Future Learning Design Podcast. This week, I went on a mission to find out the secrets of success in Estonia's education system by speaking with Mr. Martin Leidmetz. Mart is the General Director of Education and Youth Board of the Republic of Estonia. Previously, from January 2019 until August 2021, he held the position of the Secretary General of the Ministry of Education and Research of the Republic of Estonia, where he was responsible for directing the work of Deputy Secretary Generals and Departments of the Ministry, as well as coordinating the work of state institutions and government bodies under the Ministry's sphere of administration. In addition to this, Mr. Leidmetz has been a board member of the Foundation Inov and has been working for the non-profit association Universities Estonia, as well as the University of Tartu. He's been a researcher at the Uppsala University, advisor to the Chancellery of the Rikikogu, the Parliament, and an advisor to the Prime Minister of Estonia. You can follow Mr. Leidmetz on LinkedIn, as well as follow the Education and Youth Board of Estonia on Twitter at Hano underscore EE. morning. Good morning, Mr. Mad. How are you? I'm fine. Good. Well, welcome. Thank you for joining me. I'm very happy to be speaking with you for the Future Learning Design podcast this morning. And obviously, there's been a lot of talk in the education world about the success of Finland as a kind of trophy country, but a bit less talked about Estonia. And that's one of the reasons why, but given the success that we've seen in, in the PISA results and the, the quite interesting and amazing things you're doing there in Estonia, I was very interested to talk with you as somebody uh, responsible for the education in Estonia, just perhaps if we could have a bit of a general discussion about some of the things that you're doing, some of the secrets of your success, perhaps. Where do you feel, I've seen the equity and teacher autonomy, quite big emphases in the system there, but where would you see the, some of the secrets of the success there have been? Yes, good morning. As you mentioned yourself, I think what the most important is equal access to education. Because in Estonia, it doesn't matter if you are living in a big city or in rural areas. Basically, central government tries to guarantee the, the same quality education, at least on a basic education level, the first nine classes everywhere. Mm-hmm. And of course, or it's connected to the teacher profession, but we have well-educated master level professionals as teachers everywhere. And, and of course, we hope that we can raise the salary level uh, faster than we have done it before. But, but anyway, even the salary level is also rising and, and that's where, uh, that is attracting a little bit more young people also a teacher profession. Good. So uh, teachers and uh, equal access are, are the main pillars. And of course, the interest of parents also, that they are really engaged in, in, in the future of the children and they understand that education is uh, very, very important uh, to, to be successful in your life. Yeah, very good. It, it definitely seemed to be coming through in the data that I've seen, the, the, talking about equity, firstly, that the, 
you have achieved very small gaps between the richest and the poorest students, which is is no mean feat, I think, in, you know, compared to many other countries with very large differences in terms of educational outcomes. Would you say that was part of some of the inheritance of the system as it was in the Soviet era? No, I wouldn't say because even during Soviet time, as strange as it might be, everybody is thinking about the Soviet Union as a very centralized country and everything mm. ruled under the same conditions everywhere. But as it matters, education, the education systems were different in different Soviet republics and, and even the language in which the education was conducted was different. So it was in Estonia, it was in Estonia, of course, in Russian also, in Russian-speaking schools. But even the national curriculum was still Estonian. And I think it actually it has roots in pre-second education system, as in Finland. And even in both cases, it's even in longer history, even during the, even the Swedish kings who were uh, actually starting the education system and compulsory education for everybody, for every boy and girl here, mm. already in the 17th century. So it has its roots. But it doesn't mean that it would be possible to introduce anywhere else. But of course, we have a strong feeling that everybody should learn already almost at least basic skills like reading, yeah. maths and, and languages. It has always been important. Just the basic skills have been, of course, changing during the times. Mm-hmm. And what is it in terms of practically this with the network of schools you have there? Is, is there a an active private sector or is it predominantly government-run public schools? Most of the public schools are run by local governments, but we have uh, approximately 10% private schools also. They are funded also by the central government, but they can take some tuition fee also, which Mm -hmm. is not very high to get this support from the government because there should also be equal access. On the other hand, they are helping to make the education system more diverse. There are religious schools, different approaches to education, and that's all allowed. But then you should also make it possible to attend the, the possibilities even sure. for people yeah. with lower social economics. Yeah. And from my research, I also understood that there's quite a high degree of autonomy. As you say, the, the public schools are locally run or by, by local government. And there's mm. a relatively high degree of autonomy for those schools. Is that correct? Absolutely. The te- teachers, the headmasters are quite uh, autonomous. They know goals which have to be reached. Uh, sure. And we have uh, national tests even in basic school and in the end of uh, upper secondary education. And of course, uh, even too much attention is paid sometimes to those rankings in which place you are but on the other hand uh, of course it's very important for everybody in the in the system and but we, we don't say from the ministry but how you have to achieve those you can choose your study materials you can choose teachers you can choose yeah. almost everything as much as long as it's corresponding to a national curriculum uh, very good and the again the data from the teacher satisfaction from PISA seem to be Uh, increasing as you said you've managed to increase the social value placed on the teaching profession in Estonia and it's that seemed to be playing out in the teacher satisfaction surveys that that they're perceiving a significant increase in the value that their role is placed in society. Yeah absolutely and we were quite successful pre this Covid crisis of course the Covid crisis has changed this uh, picture a little bit because of course it's not only the health crisis the economic crisis also behind that so we can't raise the salaries as it was planned and so on but and of course 
there is much more pressure on teachers this time of digital or distance learning, which of course helps a lot with this digital revolution, but on the other hand, makes it much more complicated to, to change it so rapidly as we have mm-hmm. seen. So yeah, but still, as we can see from the last data from universities, that the interest to become teacher is, is a growing step. Good. And so you've had the 2020 lifelong learning strategy that you've been working towards. And that has now been, as I understand it, has been renewed for the 2035 strategy. So how are you, how would you evaluate your progress to, against those and then looking forward to the 2035 smart and active strategy? Yes, we, we were, I think we were quite successful in implementing the previous strategy. One of the pillars was with the focus on digital lifelong learning. And, and of course, in a way, this COVID crisis helped us to mm-hmm. implement it much uh, faster. But uh, for the next period, uh, yes, for the next 15 years, uh, we are talking, yes, much more about this personalized education, how, how technology could m- help more in the field of education, because we are still using all those digital materials, digital textbooks, mm-hmm. programs in quite old-fashioned way. What we could see also during this COVID crisis, but this feedback which was teachers are giving uh, to students are still the same as it would be in their normal classrooms. So we are mm-hmm. not using artificial intelligence or anything else so much yet. Yeah. But, but there are huge possibilities. And of course, there are also some threats about, of course, data issues or all kinds of issues. Yeah, yeah. But, but if you don't try, then you will not move forward. That's you know, absolutely some some experimentation needs to happen for sure. That was one of the things I wanted to ask you about was the digital innovation because I've I've even seen as again as I understand it the uptake of digital innovation across a lot of Estonian society, not just in education, has been quite rapid and quite significant. Even it's, I saw somebody calling it Estonia. How would you say? Obviously, you've, you've said already something there about some of the challenges. But where where have been the the positives in in terms of the way that the digital innovation has been taken up in the education system there? Yes, it's it's sometimes uh, difficult to understand how how digital world is actually integrated into Estonian society because already from the beginning of nineties it was quite clear and conscious decision that we will just not take over all the Western technology, which was not possible or available in, in the Soviet Union. But we take uh, next step ahead and, and try to really become digital society. And thanks to this infrastructure we have created right now, of course, education system is also part of it. So mm-hmm. uh, we, we can use uh, all those uh, national registries, all the data is available for everybody. And of course, it means that people have to trust also the central government mm-hmm. and, uh, and all those databases which are using actually this data so much. Because, of course, during the cyber attacks and everything else, what's happening, it's, it's dangerous. But yeah, almost all the society is digital. And of course, 
even education system. Maybe education system less than society in general, because yeah. 99% of uh, public services are available digitally, because every student has not only a physical identity, but even digital identity uh, during those, your ID card. So you can use and sign all the documents and even get almost married digitally if you want. But in education system, there is so much where actually teachers need to see the students yeah. and, and it's not possible to do it only digitally. All we, we have all those platforms, we have materials, yeah. but I think we, we are still helping teachers and students to, to study better. And yeah. in that way, we could still move ahead with using all those possibilities even more. But yes, actually, what what is important in our case that we are not considering ICT as something specific or digital competencies. Already 2014, in Estonia national curriculum was introduced digital competencies as one of the generic competencies, like behaving good and so on. So actually, mm-hmm. you should anyway to to manage in Estonian society, you should have those skills and knowledge how to survive in digital surviving. Mm. And is that is that what's driving then the in the smart and active strategy more of a focus on personalized learning? What is the driver for that policy shift? Yes, uh, and of course, uh, this personalized learning means that if we would uh, like to introduce this personalized learning to in this system we have right now, it would be quite impossible because we don't have so much teachers that uh, could have a personal approach. But if we are thinking of this personal education as a lifelong learning process, and you can choose yourself and you want mm-hmm. to study something and you have some probably digital courses and you can build your own way how to get some qualifications. And, 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 and our question, how, how you collect all this into one formula so you can actually get accept it all. So, yeah. so the next steps are yeah, really using the technology for a more personalized approach. But as I said, there are issues with data protection and other challenges, but, but we are trying to find the ways out. Yeah. And it seemed to be so in some of the OECD feedback, just looking at the country profile there, the, the skill development of young people and then into higher education to provide the, the skills that the innovation in the economy is demanding, that was something that seemed to be an area for development for the country. Is that also then feeding also into vocational and skills-based technical education and higher education as well? Yes, of course. Uh, what we have seen in our uh, society is one of the challenges, but as strange as it is, the public sector is digitally very advanced. But there are some uh, sectors in which are not so advanced yet, which are using quite old-fashioned technology still. And, and where is the question how to actually... It can easily happen that at vocational education institution, you prepare very well-trained, uh, advanced students. But when they go to a company, they, are, they face technology, which is from the 1970s or 80s. So we almost can't use it or we don't know how, how to use it. And, and of course, uh, when it doesn't work. So it's our, or vice versa, could it also be that the education system is more ahead uh, or advanced than, than employers? But of course, in many ways, uh, the changes are happening quite uh, mm. fast. There also, and our problem is, or our task is, of course, uh, to prepare young people to, to really tackle the problems of the uh, mm. 21st century. So we can't prepare 
people for a knowledge which was used 20 yeah. or 30 years ago. So no. it's, sure. And the experience for, for young people, do most of them graduate from high school and stay in tertiary education, higher education in Estonia, or are most of them outside of Estonia for that? Most of them are still staying in Estonia. Approximately 75% go to higher education and mostly in Estonian schools, at least at bachelor level. But on master level, there is, of course, much more exchange and, and more possibilities to find ways. And of course, we are getting in many international students also. Yeah. Almost, I think, 10%. And then they are studying mm. ICT, which is, of course, quite uh, mm-hmm. obvious. We are doing and staying in Estonia to involve our unicorns or, yeah. or our tech yeah. companies. Very good. And the research seemed also to be a strong area from my reading that in the universities, the, that, that was an, another attractive, you know, bringing, bringing people in, but also a, a strength within the country in higher education. Yes, of course. It's uh, it's not only the PISA tests and uh, uh, strong basic education, but even even research and higher education are on high quality level, best in, in our region at least. So, yeah. So it's attracting both students and then professors here. And is that feeding down into then the, the you know junior and high school education as well in terms of the application of research into developing you know more innovative teaching and learning or more effective teaching and learning? Yes, of course uh, we have two centers of competence, or in, both in Tartu and in Tallinn, the biggest universities mm-hmm. which are working on it, and they are doing quite a good job. Yeah, very good. It's interesting, isn't it? Because everybody knows about Finland, but that's one of my my aims for this podcast is to to spread the word of the good things happening in Estonia, because it seems that there's a lot a lot of good things going on there, but not quite as well known as a success story. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I think Finland has a longer tradition already and promoting also their sure. education system. And, uh, and we are doing very close cooperation, actually, with Finland, because we are okay. neighbours and, uh, and our language is uh, quite similar. So we yeah. are considered as, I don't know, two brothers and sisters, or brother and sister, <laughs> or something like that. But, yeah. but of course, we had also plans promoting more what we have achieved and how we have achieved. Uh, but uh, during this COVID crisis, it was, mm. in a way, much more easier because we could attend all those sure. virtual conferences. But in the end, of course, people, I think, uh, got tired about them. And, uh, and we are, of course, telling because I think personally, but uh, when we're talking about PISA tests and uh, so on, but, uh, there are many countries which say that oh, you are so small in Finland and Estonia and you can manage to very, very... Well, with your education system, you can do the changes, whatever you need, very fast. But I don't think so, because every big system consists also of quite small parts. And so you can start anyway somewhere if you Mm -hmm. want to really achieve equal access or Mm -hmm. value teachers more. And and it's a lot of, there are a lot of actually questions which you can solve on the spot on the local government yeah. Uh, level and more autonomy and resources you give to those actors which are actually deciding and basically closest to the students when when better and that's yeah. I think uh, should be learned everywhere. Well, it's, and that's I think it's an... both Finnish and Estonian approach. It's not the yeah. Estonian. No, I, I would agree, and that's an interesting point actually because I think I was I was speaking with Oli Pekka Heinonen from Finland, who's now with the IB and. 
we were talking about again it's, it's, as you say the similarities in terms of particularly with auto autonomy and that question of affecting change within a system where there's a high degree of autonomy is actually an interesting test isn't it of the, of the system itself to see because we see the the autonomy brings a lot of value but then when it comes to something like covid and a reaction to covid or a pandemic or or other other systemic change how easy is that to then make those changes when you've got this high degree of autonomy will everybody you know kind of move in line where where necessary or but in their own particularly autonomous way it's an interesting question yeah but i think uh, but if we all had the same goal and for example we we decided to still have a national examination mm -hmm. even during this covid period because it makes easier to access the next education level and so on and and at the, yeah. and the same time we can also understand what has happened uh, during those times and where was quite uh, well agreed but yes we do it and we we will try to understand what has weak sides during this pandemic and uh, strong sides but everybody was having their own strategy how to reach those goals in some schools where were more distance learning in some schools uh, less uh, as of course the conditions allowed and and even the uh, teaching materials what were used they were different uh, although central government provided for free all the digital materials also during crisis so mm -hmm. i think that if you know what what is the goal what you have to achieve and what is the national framework or curriculum then when everybody operating inside that can actually make uh, wise decisions on the spot so Yeah. So of course, because autonomy needs transparency, so you can see what is achieved, yeah. and uh, of course, as we gather huge amount of data in Estonia, we we make it also available for everybody, so you can see what's the situation in your school or your neighbor's school, what has been the results, how qualified are the teachers, uh, how much uh, square That's meters okay. do you have per student? For yeah. So everything is available. You can just. Uh, see and and ask when the local government uh, representatives that why it's yeah. doing better in the neighbors or or yeah. why you are doing uh, or or you can be positive also say that uh, oh congratulate that how how <laughs> well we have advanced so very so, good so it's uh, if the parents want to then they can themselves also look at this now it's inter interesting that it yeah promotes kind of sharing and questions and and innovation in fact if you if you get some cross fertilization of good ideas that are happening somewhere with mm. others That's, yeah very nice and then just one one of the things i also saw was the new strategy seems to emphasize the estonian language and culture quite strongly as well it, in terms of the vision for 2035 and where does that sit with your education vision Yeah, we have still um, two languages and uh, basic school level. I mean, and, and Estonian schools and historically even Russian-speaking schools. And uh, mm -hmm. some of them are really good, actually. As Andres Schleicher says, that we have the best Russian schools in the world because uh, they are mm -hmm. better than Russian schools in Russia, according <laughs> to PISA. But they are still uh, behind Estonian schools, and the level of teaching Estonian language is. Uh, very different uh, in different regions and okay. it's difficult to continue on upper secondary level and higher education level so it's very important that everybody learns actually this language mm. also the already from the kindergarten and on basic school level and that's what uh, we have emphasized it so much because you you really need to know language uh, even culture to get a good job 
always you are just a little bit you you're in a worse situation when you when you go out from school and it's not anything we we would like to mm. have and are the forgive my ignorance on this but are the universities operating in estonian primarily yes both universities and even upper secondary education institutions yeah actually so okay. if you want to get uh, secondary education there are differences but most of the uh, language of instruction is, is still Estonian or even on that level so okay. the different systems are existing on the level of basic education first nine years ah, no that's very good and let me let me just wrap up with one final question if I may obviously we've said that the smart active 2035 strategy is there what where do you see as the big areas that you will be continuing to innovate on and, and work to develop But the key areas, yeah, as I already said, is personalized education. Mm-hmm. What is it, it is actually, how it is used, how is it used uh, in a way that really employers understand what yeah. kind of competencies uh, they need. Uh, all those, uh, it goes up to those micro degrees. Maybe the employers say that they don't need long two-year master programs. It's enough with two months or yeah. some areas and so on. And it is possible. It's not only personalized from a person or student, but even from our side. But we, we maybe in different fields, they need a bit different approach to education system as a whole. So, and then mm. that's what we have to manage. Mm. No, very good. Interesting times. And and do you think that will positively maintain your PISA status up in the the top top echelons? Yeah, <laughs> no, nobody knows. So we are, we are trying not to do anything specific to be good in PISA good. results. OECD is a quite clever organization, and they are changing actually all all, all yeah. the time, and and actually it should correspond to the recent needs of the world economy. But of course, what has helped is that the PISA test is in is digital in mm-hmm. many countries. It's they have we are not used to use mm-hmm. that kind of tests and so mm-hmm. on. But but we are not doing anything specific. We are trying no, to no. copy. But I think actually Andreas is very keen on supporting innovation in education systems anyway and i think he'd be the first person to say he wouldn't want absolutely. countries to be making decisions on the basis of what absolutely to, get, to gain the pisa results right? yeah we are not saying uh, that uh, the situation is perfect right now and we will not change no. one of the secrets of success is probably that we are trying to still uh, change the weak areas and to of course yeah. find them first and yeah, that's, that's what we have to do yeah keep keep learning keep improving Yeah, very good. Well, thank you, Mark. A really interesting kind of introduction, I suppose, for many people, many of the listeners, for uh, what's going on in Estonia. And it's good to be able to share some of that with my audience. So thank you very much for your involvement in the conversation. Thank you. All the uh, best. Thank you. Have yeah. a great day. Bye. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to continue the dialogues with our guests, with us on our blog or on social media, or within your own networks.